Okay. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is the word of Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, we are coming to your word. And you gave it for our edification. You gave it for our correction. You gave it for our training in righteousness. You gave it to understand the way of salvation, which is through faith, faith in Jesus Christ. By your spirit, Make your word do all these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, <clears throat> the spiral, spiral methodology in education is when a teacher repeats the same concepts several times throughout the teaching process. Each time a student returns, returns to the ideas that they have been repeating and something new is added at a deeper level and students' prior knowledge is used as a foundation to keep building and building. I know you are not here to learn about teaching methodology. But my point, my point is this. We have been camping in chapter 9 for about three Sundays now. And it seems like we have been repeating the same things over and over again. But what the Holy Spirit is doing here is using repetition, not just because repetition is a major key to learning, but because the Holy Spirit wants to teach us a fundamental truth on which our lives depends. The writer 
inspired by the Holy Spirit, again and again, again, repeats the superiority of Jesus, the sufficiency of Jesus, and the better sacrifice offered for the forgiveness of sin. Christ is the fulfillment, and this is the idea, the whole book of Hebrews. Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament rituals, sacrifices. And as we notice here in verse 23, if you go with me to Hebrews 9, verses 23, it says, Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than this. On my phone, as a wallpaper, I have a picture of my wife kissing me in the cheek. I put it there because when I am working or away from home, I found it comforting to look at it. Yes, I found it comforting. And of course, that is just the picture of my wife. It is just a copy of her, but it's not her. It is not the same as being in a coffee shop with her and having a face-to-face -face conversation. And this is the point right here in this verse. The old covenant was just the picture. So now that Christ has come in person, we no longer need to be holding on to the picture. But this message is not just for the Jewish Christians 2,000 years ago. We all, we all need to remember that if our confidence is in anything other than the sacrifice of Jesus, if we rely on anything but his sufficiency to make us acceptable before God, there is no forgiveness for our sins. And these are the heavenly things. These are the heavenly realities that the Hebrews is talking about. Without sacrifice, without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is what we were learning last Sunday in the last verse of our reading uh, on the, in the past Sunday. If you go with me, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23, 22, I'm sorry. A previous verse says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Whatever we put our trust in, that is, that is not Jesus, give us just an illusion of righteousness, but not a forgiving life before God. If we think that repetition here in chapter 9 sounds tedious, it is because the Holy Spirit wants us to understand that 
it is impossible to be forgiven and to be saved from God, God's judgment by our own effort or by our own human success. And so it is worth repeating lest we spend our lives playing religion. Because that is what Hebrews is pointing here. It's not a religion anymore. What you need. What you need is to take Christ in consideration. If you want salvation. If you want a clear conscience. If you want forgiveness. So in verses 24 and 26, we find a key theme that we will be using as a pivotal point for today's passage. It says that Christ entered, Christ appeared in the presence of God on our behalf. The key word here is on our behalf. Jesus did not enter an earthly tabernacle to offer himself. He went into the very presence, the heavenly tabernacle, the presence of God on our behalf. So for the rest of our time, I want to present some of the benefits and blessings, blessings initiated by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. So the first one is the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf secure our forgiveness. Notice verse 23 again. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than this. The heavenly things that are purified are nothing less than you and me. The heavenly things that are purified are nothing less than us. Just that the tabernacle had to be purified so that God might show his presence there. So must the people of God be sanctified because we are the temple of God, his dwelling place. If you go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses First Peter, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 5, you will find this, this beautiful verse that explains what I'm talking about here. And it says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We have been forgiven. We are being purified. And we are being acceptable before, before God because of what Christ did on our behalf. And this is saying our salvation depends on that. 
we are being saved. We are being secure. And our forgiveness is secure because of the sacrifice of Jesus. But the second is the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf grant us representation before God. And verse 24 says, For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf, in our representation. Now Hebrews tells us that in chapter 1 we learn that now he has entered to the presence of God and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's not like the priest that comes in and then comes out. Jesus is seated once and for all at the right hand of God the Father. And what he is doing there, look what uh, 1 John chapter 2 says, verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if, you, but if anyone does sin, we have, what do we have there? An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And then Romans, Paul in Romans confirmed the same thing. Romans 8.34 says, who is to condemn? Who is he who condemns us? And continue and answer the question. Christ is the one who died. So if someone is going to condemn you, you need to do what Jesus did, and nobody has done that. Die for you. Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed, what is he doing there? Is interceding for us. You have a representative. As we have a, a people representing us in the common house of commons there. Jesus is the one who is representing, representing Ronick, Brian, Bert, all of us, David, Anna, Miriam. And you don't need to be higher or someone else. Jesus is representing you there. I wonder if you are ashamed of the things that you, you have said this past week, thoughts that came to your mind or things that you watch that are accusing you, or if you are regretting the way that you treated your children or your spouse, 
Do you feel guilty because you probably covet and, and, and this sin makes you bitter and ungrateful? And then you are here and thinking, oh my goodness, I don't feel forgiven. But the reality is that it's not what we feel. It's what he did for us. And what he is doing right now for us, representing you before God the Father. So that's why Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But third, the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf is sufficient and is effective. Look what 25 and 26 says. Verses 25 and 26 of Hebrews 9 says, Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest entered the holy places every year with the blood, not his own. You see here, he's repeating the same thing that we have been learning in previous verses in chapter 9. But he's making a point by he is, he is there and he is presenting himself. His sacrifice is presenting there, not repeatedly. It's once and for all. The old priesthood, them, they will have to have us suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. If Christ is going to be repeat his sacrifice, since the beginning need to be repeated. But, notice what it says here. But as it is, is no doubt about it. There is no question. As it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice at one point in history. This is enough for those before Jesus and for those after Jesus. This means that the Old Testament believers enjoy the benefits of Christ as we are enjoying the benefits of Christ today. Can you believe that? The people in the Old Testament look forward to the sacrifice of Christ by faith. And we look back to the sacrifice of Christ by faith as well. Christ is sufficient and effective for all eternity. He is the center of salvation. He is effective and sufficient. And then the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf gives us hope in the middle of sin, hope in the middle of death, and a hope in the middle of the coming judgment. Notice what verse 26 
part in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the last part of verse 26 says, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away what? To put away sin. I wait for that day when it's going to be put away completely. By his sacrifice of himself. And then verse 27 and 28. You see? It's hope in the middle of sin. But it's hope in the middle of death. And just as it is appointed, says 27, verse 27, and just as it is appointed for men to die once, death, and after that comes judgment. So Christ says, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he will appear a second time. And this time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for, for him. A hope in the middle of sin. He has appeared to put away sin. Jesus Christ did not appear into this world to deny sin or to soften or to redefine the idea of sin, to call it a disease or to call it mistakes. No, Jesus Christ came into this world to put away sin and to pay the price for sin. He was not softening anything. He put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. My dear friends, no religion can put away sin. And no religious activity can put away sin in the sight of God. We can go to church and be involved in all kinds of religious activities. We can be confirmed or we can be even baptized. We can give our money and serve in every committee in the church. But that does not put away sin. Which sounds bad, but it's good news for you and for me. Right? Jesus Christ came into this world to put away sin by his sacrifice. So we now have free access to God. But then we have hope as well in the middle of death. Because the verse says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once. It's talking about death there. And I don't know about, about you, but death is a scary, is a scary reality for me. Sooner or later, we'll have an appointment with it. And without Christ's sacrifice, we are in serious trouble, trouble because judgment comes after death to all of us. Death comes to us usually involuntarily. We all receive the death 
penalty because of Adam's sin. Pay attention to this. But it was not so with Jesus. His death was not due to his sin. And his death was not, was not voluntarily. And his death was voluntary, I'm sorry. The opposite to us, right? We run away. But since day one he came to this earth, he knew that death was awaiting for him. And he went to the cross voluntarily. And our hope, the hope we find in Jesus is that he died so that we can live. And the life that he offers us is eternal life. Yes, this body one day is going to get all decay and disappear. But God, through Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, is offering us an eternal life leaving death behind. The third hope that we have that Christ did in our behalf is we have hope in the middle of judgment. As verse 27 says, and just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that, what comes? Judgment. All scripture speaks of coming judgment for everyone. Ecclesiastes 3.17 says, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every matter and for every work. And Paul says then later, each of us will give an account of himself to God. The judgment of God after death without Christ should make us tremble in fear. It is, it is terrifying to be there in front of God by our own works or by our own effort or by our own success. It's terrifying. I read a story years ago about a man who ran after a wagon pulled by a horse out of control. And this young man risked his life to catch the dog, to, to catch the dog, no, to catch the horse, I'm sorry. I'm thinking a dog. This man, this man risked his life to catch the horse, to stop it, and to rescue a child in the wagon. The child sadly grew up and became a criminal. One day he stood before a judge to be sentenced for a serious crime and recognized the judge as the man who years before had saved his life. 
And so this man, this criminal, plead for mercy on the basis on the first experience when he was saved by this young man that now is the judge. But the words from the bench silence all his pleas. Young man, says the judge, then I was your savior. Today I am your judge. And I must sentence you to death. The first time Jesus came, he came to give us life and forgiveness and freedom. But he will come again. And every eye will see him. And every knee shall bow before him. Some will do it willingly. Others in anger against him. It will be a day of salvation. His second time. It will be a day of salvation for those who put their trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the second time as well is going to be a day of judgment for those who trusted in themselves. When Jesus comes for a second time, my dear friends, our salvation will be complete. If you want to know what is going to happen to all of us, you just need to go today in the afternoon and read the chapter uh, 15 in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> Those who have died, it says that out of the tombs, they all were going to come and receive Jesus. And those who are alive says that our bodies, these bodies full of sin, they are going to be transformed into a glorious bodies. For those who accept, who believe the sacrifice Jesus Christ did on the cross the first time. When he came the first time. This time, says the, the scripture, he will not come to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our behalf. We have a secure forgiveness. We have an open door to come before you with full assurance that we are accepted before the Father. And this morning as we come to this table, Lord, we want to think about what you did for us on the cross. It's as we think about this, Lord, our hearts, Lord, may be full of gratitude and love for what you did on our behalf. 
your brothers and sisters. Listen to the inviting words of the Lord to his children. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen also the Apostle Paul. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And finally, hear the Apostle John. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins.